Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Text Bobby V on the UPS Jobs text line at 437-9680. Amazing. I'm fascinated by the, the – I don't want to make it sound like it's brain surgery because it's not. But they, they really – the intricacies of the X's and O's. and That's the one thing I argue against. And I, I would not change it. It should be a week off between – that's perfect now that they put the Pro Bowl festivities the week between the last playoff game and then the Super Bowl. So that's really cool. But I've noticed that – the, the, you know, when you have that extra week, it benefits the defense because they've gone through your entire season worth of plays, and it's really hard to come up with stuff that, you know, they haven't seen before. And so they take and they find ways to take your best players out of the game. That's how good those guys are that McCaffrey still rushed for 80-some-odd yards and Kelsey still had some big catches in the game. But it, it winds up being less of an offensive game when you've got that much prep work, I think. That's my opinion, but just uh, my thoughts. You see right. Jamie's text? No, what do you say? He said, uh, <laughs> false start on the rejoin. <laughs> Five-yard penalty remains first down. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Nice line. Um, did I miss the discussion on golf? Now, I'll get to it because I really do want to talk about it because to me, you know, this is where I'll be the old guy on the lawn shaking my fist at this guy. But here's the problem. and it's When you try to be all things to all people, that's when you get into trouble. We'll talk about that later. But let's talk about UofL basketball. Texter says this. This is perfect. Perfect. Uh, um, let me see if I can find it here because um, this is just exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. The uh, – Oh, man, having a hard time with it. Let's go see. I want to make sure I can find the – oh, by the way, the text has sent this. I'll send it because I don't like to besiege people, but fans want to know this. B. Davis, B like the word boy, B, B. Davis at the ACC.org is the woman you can email. She's in charge of the director of women's basketball in the ACC. So if you want to chew her ear off, knock yourself out. That's uh, That's kind of how it works. 
Um, anyway, text just said, I can't find text, but I can paraphrase it. It was just like, so I don't know. He's, I don't know what to make of Louisville uh, basketball. They're, they're not, you know, it's not a great team they're beating, but they look much better. And I'm getting very nervous about year three. This is obviously a guy who does not want a year three. And so let me warn you that uh, if you are absolutely, you know, that's the be all and end all in your life right now is that there's a new coach next year. You should be nervous because <laughs> I'm telling you, they look much better. And, um, you you just are not giving. Here we go again. People people at the beginning of the year, well, last year when I was explaining the challenges and the, all your Kenny apologists. Then this year when I was explaining, there really was no excuse to look as bad as they did. They're like, "Woo! He's on our side now. He's come over to our side. Woo!" And now, and all I've ever done, and all I'm going to continue to do is be analytical about what I'm seeing. And so now I got to tell you the truth. They look much better. And oh, I got to. How about this? Did you see? We got to share this with the. This is going to be. This is going to make you really mad if you're just counting down the days. We just have to get – we have to – and I – you know, part of it is – yes, I am – this angers people when they're like, no, I'm a I'm an analytical fan and we need a new coach. Stop mocking me. But the fact is there's a certain element of the fan base and every fan base that thinks it's like a giant coach catalog. Ooh, the coach catalog just came in the mail. Ooh, look what – look what – oh, look at this, a Scott Drew model. Oh, that might be interesting. How much – I don't know. How much is that? I don't know. He didn't beat Kansas. I don't know. That's a really – that's a very good one. Here is what Paul Biancardi said. Paul Biancardi said, um, I wish I could have seen we, – we, I, I didn't, you know, stupid to me. I got there just as the game was tipping off, so I went and I sat on the end line. I sat where Jody normally sits since he was doing the game, which is great. But so I didn't really even see who was broadcasting it. And then when the game ended, I always try and make a point to go over to the table and say hello to the broadcasters if it's an ESPN game or an ACC Network game because they're kind of family. And But the game ended – and they were doing the post-game interviews, and they had a whole bunch of cameras around. I didn't even see who was doing the games. I'd forgotten that Paul was doing it. I, you had told me last week, but I'd forgotten. So I would have waited for him all leave, but I looked, and I was just happy, to be honest with you. The one nice thing is you get to get to leave right after the game. I didn't have to stick around for another hour. So I just got out. I was like, I'm going home. So I just uh, I took off with my car, and, uh, and I didn't see him. And he says, this text is pretty good. Uh, Louisville has seven top 100 players on their roster, and I think that's showing on the offensive end. If they could ever buy in defensively, they could win down the stretch. I haven't been in the Yum Center since Rick coached, but that fan base last night was pretty awesome. For a team that has struggled the last two years, you would never know it. Most of college basketball fan bases would not have showed up and showed out like that. Much love to you guys. And then Nick wrote back, any idea if you'll be coming back anytime soon? And Paul said, anytime, as soon as I get on the staff. That fan base is awesome. So we are here licking our wounds and lamenting about how awful everything looks. And you bring somebody in from the outside, and it doesn't look that bad. Oh, stop saying that. It's terrible. We need a coach. We need a coach. Shut up. Shut up. Ah, putting their hands over their ears. I'm not listening to this chubby guy. No, shut up. But the fact of the matter is, they are playing way better, way better. And I sat with Rick Bozich. People, you know, don't don't think he's being as harsh to Kenny as they'd like. So he gets texts. So, and we were we were just talking, and I said, you know what? You can build on a bunch of components that are here. I mean, and none of them are supposed to leave. I mean, now that's the problem. Is if they, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But the, the little dude is going to be a player. Uh, Tyler is Tyler, he'll yeah. drive you nuts because he his emotion gets the best of him sometimes yeah, he's and, he, and he's still no he's not he's not quite like that 
I mean, Russ was at a different level of ridiculous. This, the, the, you know, he's he's not he's not like that. He's not, I mean, it's hard for me to describe why he doesn't. Russ had a true scorer's mentality. He got a lot of assists too because he was just such a creative player. But he really was about scoring the ball. The dude could score ways that haven't been, hadn't even been invented yet. Tyler does have a point guard's mentality. He wants to try and find the big man. He wants to drive and dump it to the big man, and he and he can score when he when he when the opportunity presents itself, which is good, and you want that. But um, he still the anatomy of the game sometimes gets away from him a little bit. So, but he's you could build with him. Mike James is as solid as the clock on the wall. He's just he's rock solid. Brandon has come on light years. I'm so happy for him because I was so down on him last year. And to see the turnaround is remarkable. And when I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't mind broadcasting the game from that end seat. You are closer to the players there than you are on the sideline. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not closer to the players like when they come in and out of the game. Kenny is – what the hell is that? Full jump. Oh. Kenny stands right in front of us. So you can't see a lot of the game. You call it off the monitor. And so when they come out, you'll hear the interaction between them and stuff, and you'll see some things you know, on the bench. But on the end zone, man, they are – you know, every time it's a free throw, they gather at the free throw line. They're in the lane. They are right on top of you. And Brandon has become very much in the middle of of coordinating. Uh, you know, the the emotion of the team pulling them together. I, I'm really very very impressed with that young man. I really have to tip my hat. When I was so down on him last year, he just looked like he was just taking up a jersey. He's he's in there battling and banging, and he's doing some really good things. So you can definitely build with James and Tyler and. Um, and uh, Brandon, uh, Sky has won. You know what? Uh, they they that kid. What was the name? I don't remember his name. Isn't that terrible? The kid who scored all the points for Georgia Tech. Um, I mean, he was just going out of his mind. He had he had no points last game. By the way, how about that for for driving you nuts? Before anybody says, how could they let him do that? Well, I'm quite certain they weren't expecting him to do that. He had no points the game before, and uh, then he comes out and he goes Kelly. for. Uh, what do you have? Thirty-four. How many? Have, how many? Thirty-six. Up with? Thirty-six. Miles Thirty-six. Kelly. Miles Kelly. Unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Well, th- you know, that's why I always believe every team should have a box and one somewhere in their arsenal, just to throw it in there, just to sh- slow a guy down a little bit. But if you don't believe that, that's fine. You got to do something. Well, you know what they did? They put Sky on him. They took. They they uh, they took uh, um, White off him. Who. And then they put Sky on him, and Sky did a pretty good job of making it hard for him and shut him down a little bit. You can, and Sky can can he has some range. He stepped up. He's the guy who made the big shot. He's got no. You could build. Is it a one no help like you were talking about? Yes. In the Syracuse yes. Game? Yeah. You can kind of play that way. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, you know that that's uh, so certainly you can build with him. Um, I love my windows, but I also love uh, Glenn. I, I've, I've said that all along. I mean, and people talk about what he's undersized. At four. You know what? Height is the most single biggest overrated aspect of assessing a player in a basketball team. Honest to God. It's your skill set. He can play four at that size. I don't know. He's a forward. Just go play. The dude gets rebounds and follows, and he's tough, and he's in there battling. 15 and 13, double-double. Yeah, bad. but and, and the one that showed it to me was the one where he went up. And that, this was right in front of me. That's why I kind of like sitting at the end. I swear to God. He went up and had it blocked. Remember that when he had it blocked? And it came back to him, and he went back up again. And he went up and scored. And I was like, that is the kind of toughness and determination you want. And they had a rebound that they had gotten, and he took it right out of the kid's hands. I mean, he's just – hes a, I like that kid. And he's, he's just starting. I'm just getting started. 
Sorry. Just getting warmed up. I'm just getting warmed up. That's is that's right. Very good. Very good. I'm just getting warmed up. So I mean that's so you know he's going to be somebody you can build on. There's no question uh, uh, about that. Uh, Curtis Williams, uh, uh, he is. I mean, some days his shot looks like it's just got. He doesn't have any idea where it's going, but some days he gets in the groove and it doesn't look like he can miss. And he does give you an honest effort defensively. That dude gets out and tries to play defensively. I, I, I mean, I, I really like, I really like his game. And again, so much upside there. I'm a big fan of uh, of his. Um, um, I, I've grown. I've got to tell you the truth too, by the way. And I'm happy for the kid. I, Zan Payne has become like a fan favorite now. Everybody likes him. But now when he goes in the game, they all cheer for Because you know what he does? He just he played five minutes. He got three rebounds. He's not that big either. He's, I mean, he's thick, but he's, he's only like 6'5". But he knows he's never going to hunt his shot ever, ever, ever. And he tries, and he goes, and he battles on the glass, and he, he knows how to run the offense. You watch him. He's always, he's always one pass ahead in his mind. He knows because he's a coach's son. And, uh, and that's got to be brutal because he's not a star. And every time they put him in early in the year, because the people were all so mad at Kenny to begin with, this only made it, them hate him worse, and they were screaming. And, I'm, I'm, and he seems like a very nice kid. So, uh, I, you know, I'm glad that he's – you could spot him the way they're spotting him. So that's good. A core for – he runs like a deer. I think they can get things out of him too. He only played six minutes. He had two baskets. So, I mean, I, I think he's can – you know, he's – so they have a good nucleus. The guy I can't get my head around yet is still Trey White. He does get boards. That is the honest thing he does. But he I does kid, get boards. I kid you not. I don't think I'm outing Bozich to say this. This is what kind of drives – he just does not have a sense of the anatomy of the game yet. Meaning, when the, you know, when to try and get look for your shot, when not to. He – I'm told this, and I don't know. I guess I can say this. It wasn't told me off the record. The game that they won, the last game that uh, they beat Florida State, that was coming off his 29-point game. You know, and he hadn't scored – but they were playing well. I mean, Louisville was playing at a different level. They were playing really good. Supposedly, he's, I don't know if this is true, so take it with a grain of salt. Take it fully with a grain of salt. The problem is that you would believe it. That's the problem. He supposedly said to the coaches at halftime, could you run some plays for me? I mean, I just scored 29. Can you run some? Call my number a little bit. I like my number. Call. He doesn't talk like that, but it would be good if he did. I mean, so, I, mean I get it as nah. a kid, but at the same time, you got to, no, like you said, the anatomy of the game. You, you gotta just got to understand, hey, we're doing good here today. We're beating a team that's having a pretty good year. and you know, So so my point is, we're sitting there, and he's exactly right. I, this went through my head before Bozich said it. They were at our end. It was the second half. And they were making a move. Not the time to do this. And uh, the, he came across and he's dribbling the ball. And he says to me, oh, this is going up. And I said, yeah, you know, I said, I got the exact And sure enough, he comes down and he goes and he does a jiggly boo and he, a, a jig, you know, a shaky poo and back and forth and, and, uh, and goes left and right and, goes, and then takes a challenge shot and misses it. And I said, you know, I had the same thought. And Rick said, yeah, the little clock in his head went off. Time time for me to shoot. And that is not the way a, a successful game is played. There's no time for you to shoot. It's it's like I haven't had a shot in X number of seconds. But he hoists one up here. 
you know, that was not the time to do it. And that, and he still is not very good defensively. He's trying more. But there are some things he does defensively that it's hard for me to believe he's actually even trying. They're just so bad. You know, the flying at the guy in Syracuse and winding up in the front row and he, with a three. It was just – he just – but – he does rebound, and he makes an honest effort to rebound. He really does. And, you know, the three he hit was a pretty big three. It was a big momentum three, so he can score. I just – I don't know how if I were running the team, and you don't really care about if I were running it because I'm not, how you would incorporate him. Like how you could maximize – that's the, the thing. He's a guy that you got to really put in a – in a, in a rigid boundary and try and figure out within that boundary how you can maximize the good stuff he brings and minimize the others. So, for example, I mean, he might not buy into it. Maybe I would do away with the term. He might be my foreman in my undersized team and tell him to go out there and go get every rebound. And if you can get a, a 20 points on stickbacks, you got my blessing. And, you know, we'll, you know we'll, we will call your number on occasion. Don't worry about it. You'll get some shots. But I would take the ball out of his hands. He is not my point guard. Sky's the point guard. Ty's the point guard. And I don't know what you do other than that. You, you rotate guys up like they do in the NBA and you play a point forward, bring Mike James to the top. I don't know. But it does. Maybe Caleb? You, you can't uh, uh, as a point? Well, I, I, no. thought, I thought I heard that he, he's taken the ball up the court a few times. No. You talking about you talking about Glenn? Yeah, no, I thought I, I no. thought I remember hearing that I when, when we had his coach. No, on. That's he's well, maybe down the road. Everybody thinks, you know, every actor thinks they're a singer. Every singer thinks they're an athlete. Right, right. You know, so but I, I I don't I don't think that's in your strength. But you can get things out of Trey, and I'm not trying to be too harsh on him. He made a big shot. He made in the big three. It was still was, things were starting to go Louisville's way, but um, you know that was one that was just a dagger. It was. Uh, let me see if I can find when it was in the game. He made uh, a couple of free Two throws there. Two or four there. from behind the arc. Yeah. Uh, he made uh, – um, let's see what the score is here when he makes this. Caleb makes a big follow dunk to make to, to give Louisville the 64-62 lead. Then Trey hit a three. That's what it was. And Mike James gave him a great pass. And that's a good shot. It was off a nice pass. It was open in the, in the left corner, and that was good. And it made him up five, and that was big. And then he went down the other end, and he blocked a shot. Almost the very next possession. I forgot about that. That was very good. So, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like you. But he just he can undo a lot of the good he does if you don't put him in that box. Like the flying at the three-point shooter in Syracuse, the game on the line, you just, he can't do that. You know, he took the silly three earlier in the possession when the game was still very much on the uh, on the ropes. He just decided, my time, take a shot here. And it was foolish. There was no reason for him to do that. They were, um, you know, they were down seven. They were down 60 to 53. And uh, it was just, it wasn't the time to shoot that. So, you know, that that's, but... You know what? Getting back to this, the the gorilla in the room, how does this impact what's going on here? You know, uh, C. L. Brown was right. You better wait till the end of the year to assess. Uh, I, if you don't, if you've made your mind up, and many of you have, you're not. Go- I'm not trying to persuade. I'm not. I'm merely observing. You can say, listen, that's not a very good team they beat. You can always find reasons. They're not going to. I mean, obviously, if they do something preposterous like go run the table and win the ACC tournament and play the second week in the NCAA tournament which I mean come on even the wild most wildly optimistic doesn't think that's going to happen but assuming it's not that 
And and assuming it's not like now they lose out, all of a sudden they've regressed and they're terrible again, okay, then you have no decision to make in all likelihood. But it was not a bad crowd, and it was an enthusiastic crowd, and it was an entertaining game to watch. And you know what else? And this is this is telling to me. They didn't play that well. They didn't play great, and they still won. That That is what I call the Tiger Woods syndrome. When Tiger was at his best, if you were a player on the tour – you came into the tournament and you said to yourself, I am going to have to play lights out and he can't play his best or I got no chance. That was their team last year, basically. They had to play great and the other guy had to have a sucky day and even then, it was not a, a done deal. There's no way they play a quote-unquote average game and still win. This was relatively average. They weren't great. They were they struggled offensively for much of the game. Um, what they wind up shooting for the game? They wound up shooting 38%. They were only four of eighteen behind the three point line. They were, you know, they were they were not great, but they were gritty. They, these kids have not quit on this guy at all. They, whether they're playing for each other or for him, but they're playing hard. And would they? And I think it's a nice, it's a decent nucleus. Being Cardi says it, you know, I, I take with a grain of salt the evaluators' numbers and all that, but I trust Paul's opinion. And he says they've got some talent with this group, and they do. Do they stay? If he goes, I mean, why, what do you want to start all over again? I don't know. They were, they were, they were, um, they're much, much better offensively to the point where they can play meh and still have enough points to win the game. They still scored 79 points on a meh day. Offensive, but he's right. Defensively, you know, if it were the football, and I don't know if it's Nolan or who's in charge of it, but they need a defensive coordinator. And they need a defensive coordinator who comes in. And the players understand this guy on the defensive side has the same authority I do. You either are going to guard or you're going to get your ass off the court. And when then we got to back it up because I got news for you, the Ralph Kiner syndrome. We lost with you. We can lose without you. So if you ain't going to guard anybody, then get off the floor. Get out of the line. Sorry. That was, that was my uh, uh, John Panette impersonation of a impersonation. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. And so that is what you're looking at here. Is it? Is it? Did it take longer than you thought? Yes. Are they great? Yeah, I don't know. They're great. All these things. There's a million reasons. If you you have made your mind up that you know we need a coaching change that you're going to cling to, and that's fine. But and I don't, and we still got a long ways to go. It could turn back by the end of the year. They look completely lost again, and then you say, look, we have no choice. We got to go move on. But uh, are you going to un, undo what? What took a long time to happen, the progress going forward, because there's some players here that you can turn into good players. They are they're determined. They got a toughness. They're developing a toughness. Um, they they really they gutted that out. That was not a great offensive performance. And they found, and they had a, they played against the guy who had his career night. That'll that'll get you beat a lot too. By the way, guy comes in and goes out of his mind. I mean, it really it was the most unlikely of heroes, Miles Kelly. I mean, it, 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 did you see what he's done in his most recent games again? It's unbelievable. He had, uh, going back to the last five games, he had 11 against Virginia Tech, 15 against Carolina, 20 against NC State, then against Wake Forest, he didn't score. Zero. Had a zip his last game. And then had 36 coming into the Louisville game. That's when you get beat, man, when the other guy has one of his career nights. He, and, and before that, by the way, he didn't score in the game against Pitt on the 23rd. So his last six games, he's gone scoreless twice. And, and but he wound up with thirty six in this game, and you know 
good for him. Today he'll never he'll always remember. But they still found a way to win. So I'm just saying you you, you gotta you got to to um, account for the progress they've made offensively. They they are playing at a different level offensively than they did, and it's it's a long long it was a long long journey to get here. But uh, make no mistake, it's better than it was. Um, so we thought we had uh, Tim, but he's gone. He's why is he not showing up on my phone? Are you there, Tim? He's not there. Trust me, he's not there. Not there. There's nothing on the board there. Um, going back to Romo, by the way, Texas says he's smart and insightful, but he talks too damn much. Well, I, that's what I said. It's like when a guy's he has a hard time filtering. Like he looks at the play and he does. He has a lot of, and and he sees five things and instead of he's got to self edit. So I can't get all five things out. I'm just going to wind up sounding like I'm blabbering. So I'm going to talk. I'm going to mention this one maybe or maybe two. That's the problem. Uh, you know. And so that's uh, you know that's people want information, but they don't want to be suffocated. I guess let's get uh, let's get Sully on board. Hello, Tim. How are you? Thanks for your patience. What a this has been a sports radio talk show host's uh, dream day with everything that went on over the weekend. So lots, Gee. yeah, no, lots of stuff, no doubt about that. So pick your pick your brain on the topics du jour, but we'll have to go quick because there's so many of them. Uh, just right. Super Bowl. So what? Thoughts about what do you take away from the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I picked the Chiefs. I, uh, I thought, uh, when in doubt, go with the uh, better quarterback. Yep. And uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, is uh, is that guy. And uh, I, I suspect that we will be seeing them again and possibly again and again uh, before he's done. He's just a, a remarkable uh, athlete and uh, has uh, an intuition. I think yes, that's, uh, pretty rare uh, among uh, athletes of, of of any sport. But uh, you know, I uh, I thought the the Forty Niners uh, played better defensively than I expected, um, and uh, you know, I had every chance to win the game, but they did not have Mahomes. So that's, uh, that's, that's my uh, 25 cents. Off. Isn't it interesting how fate seems to smile on certain athletes, though, and takes nothing away from their preparation or their brilliance in many ways. That's not an overstatement or obviously their physical skill. But, like, I think back to, um, you know, Ted Williams hits a home run in his last at-bat in Boston, and Derek Jeter gets a, a walk-off single against the Red Sox, of all things, in his, his last at-bat, and his 3,000th hit is a home run. And this guy not only wins Super Bowls, he's down 10 points in all the games, and this one now, he wins after the other team scores. <laughs> he comes down and scores a touchdown. I, I don't know. I, you know. I guess, what do they say, luck is when uh, opportunity meets preparation, but I don't know. The, the fate of some of these players just seems beyond logic. Well, you know, I was uh, reminded of uh, a Super Bowl I covered uh, some years ago where the Bengals were leading going into the last few minutes, and Chris Collinsworth uh, turns to somebody on the sideline, might have been Sam Weiss, and said, you know, we gave 
Joe Montana too much time, and sure enough, he uh, marched them down and uh, got the winning touchdown. Uh, you know, and, and Montana is is in that yes. select of, of the guys who seem to uh, elevate their game when the game mattered most, and in uh, uh, the tightest spots. And you know, I I would have to to rank uh, Mahomes with him and Brady and uh, very few others. Play this game, John Elway, and you know, maybe uh, Unitas for those of us of a certain age. Um, yeah, but, uh, um, it's you're right. I mean, they're 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 guys who you know the occasion they don't rise to the occasion so much as the occasion does not overwhelm them. And uh, I, I think that uh, you know you see that with Michael Jordan. Yeah, you did see with Michael Jordan and and. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jeter, uh, who, uh, who seemed to have those those kind of magical moments. Uh, Mister November, I was there for that home run and World Series, and uh, you know, there there aren't many who uh, who fit that description. But it's uh, it it is striking when you when you come across one. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I I think back, I wonder about, like, Brock Purdy, who's an incredible story in his own right, um, and played really well. He he did a really, really effective job, amazing for a guy who was the last pick in his first Super Bowl. But I think back to, you mentioned Montana, and if you remember uh, the, the Super Bowl between uh, Joe Montana and, um, I don't even remember what year it was. Let me see if I can find it here. 1985, he played against Dan Marino, and everybody was like, well, this is going to be the first of many great matchups of these two. And Marino, of course, never made it back to another Super Bowl. I, I know, what do you think about Purdy? I mean, do you think he's going to be destined for a Dan Marino career of great individual achievement and, and not being a chance to get on this stage again? Or He's with a pretty good organization, though. Well, I think he's got probably a better cast around him than Marino had for the most part. I mean, he had the Marino had those great receivers, but I don't know that, that he ever had a, a, a defense that was as as impressive as the Forty ers is. And uh, I, I think uh, you know the NFC is not nearly as stacked as the AFC is at this point, and. Uh, I would expect that you know we will see more of the 49ers uh, in uh, you know deep in the playoffs uh, going forward, and you know, I, I have every reason to think that, that Brock Purdy will be leading them. So uh, if uh, if those two things are are correct, I think he's he's likely to get another shot. Uh, but you know if he comes up against uh, one of the AFC's you know, superlative young quarterbacks, uh, it's going to be a long day, or could be a long day. Tim Sullivan's with us. Like I said, so many things to talk about. Let's move on to item number two on the agenda here. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you've heard about it. The call at the end of the women's game with Louisville at Syracuse, which was just absolutely bizarre. Your thoughts about that are welcome, but then beyond that, people demanding again, why aren't the officials made accountable for when they make calls that seemingly defy common sense. What, what are your thoughts about that whole scenario? Well, I, I think it was a terrible call from, from everything that I've pieced together and everything I believe about officiating. Uh, you know, and uh, it's, 
I've always been one who thinks that a foul in the, uh, the first minute of the game should be called the same as the foul in the last minute. But I don't think, you know, a, an intentional foul in which uh, no physical damage was inflicted uh, is is appropriate. Um, you know, I, I I do like when officials are available to explain themselves only to a pool reporter. Uh, and, you know, I've availed myself of that opportunity at uh, both, you know, baseball and, and, and football. But uh, it's, uh, it's frustrating when a call is made like that and you don't get any kind of uh, explanation uh, from the, uh, the, peop- the the person who made it. And uh, I understand that, that, you know, particularly in college sports, uh, there's an effort to shield officials um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, and their safety, not least of which, uh, is uh, significant. And it's, it's a, you know, generally a thankless job. I appreciate that, but you know, I, I do think that when when a game is decided, as that one was, uh, on a uh, certainly controversial and, in my view, you know, mistaken call, there, there has to be some kind of accounting for it, and maybe that we'll get a statement from the ACC at some point that says, well, this you know this was a mistaken call and it's unfortunate, but we're not going to. Uh, you know, uh, invalidate the the decision. Yeah, I, I I think it's a you know a fine line, but I think somehow they're going to have to address it at some point going forward. I don't know that they could just let the officials not. I know in the NCAA tournament they do right, don't they have one a, a reporter who's assigned the uh, the 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 pool the pool reporter who's allowed to. Ask the officials questions after NCAA tournament games. I thought that was the case. I think they're allowed one. Yeah, right? I, I, think, I think that does happen, and uh, you know, most of the time, it's uh, there isn't uh, that opportunity because you know the game isn't decided on on that basis, and the the pool reporter may have other things to do, so they don't always take advantage of of that opportunity. But there, you know, there certainly are games where. You know, you want to get an answer, and you know, even if it's a prepared statement, at least uh, some kind of explanation as to as to the rationale for for a, a decision that you know has tremendous ramifications, and you know, in, in this case, decided the game. So, yep. um, you know, I, I I don't think it's unreasonable to to, to ask uh, or to expect. Uh, some kind of response, and you know, I certainly understand you know, Jeff Walls's uh, rancor at, uh, at, at having that call made and and, and having no recourse. Yep. Uh, Tim Sullivan's with us. Move on to topic number three. I can address an email, uh, a text rather, and uh, and be able to get your comment on it at the same time. I was talking about. Again, all I try and do is observe and report. I'm not uh, trying to convince people to believe one thing or another, and that is that 
Louisville's men's basketball team looks much better. They look probably better, at least on the offensive end, than they have at any point since Kenny Payne's been here. They they even won the other day when they didn't really play that well. They only shot 38%, and that actually is a, is a, a, a good barometer. When you can win without your A game, last year's team would have had to play their A game just to be competitive, and there was no guarantee even that was going to win. This year, they, they shot 38-some-odd percent, and they they really gutted it out, and they won. And uh, you got to weigh up some things depending on what goes on in these last nine games, um, what you want to do with your program. Having said that, a texter says, and I'll get your response to what I just said and what he says, I think you misunderstand just how much the idea of a year three terrifies this fan base. I don't underestimate it at all. The people who want him gone, I don't underestimate that at all. I, I certainly, they don't even want them to have played well. They want them to just be, have, they'll suffer through nine deplorable games to be assured they get somebody else. But that's not the issue. The issue is not uh, that element of the fan base. The issue is what the reality is. And the reality is, this is a good group of players here. They have seven top 100 players. If they all decide to stay, uh, or more importantly, if they were to leave, if Kenny left, do you wind up starting all over? What about the financial ramifications of it? And are they playing at a – the Yum Center was pretty loud the other day. I don't know if you were there, but it was a decent crowd for a Georgia Tech team who's not very good. And they, uh, people, I guess, have seen what's going on lately and, and res- responded a little bit. It was a it was a, a, a animated crowd, a loud crowd, and they're winning and they're playing competitive basketball. So what about all of that, the element of the fan base that has already written them off and says we must move on and those that are saying, hey – they're playing at a higher level, and we don't know what we would do going forward if we – will we just be starting all over again? How much has their recent play uh, factored into how you see it? Well, they've won two of the last three. They lost uh, the third by two points. So, I mean, that's certainly a dramatic improvement from where they were earlier in the year and certainly as compared to last year. That said, um, you know, I, I guess my – sense is that it's it's too late to, to change the script and that uh, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to run the table uh, and or, or win the ACC tournament and turn this into a, a made-for-TV movie but um, you know I, I, I think they've definitely improved the, the question is have they shown enough improvement to win back the fan base with this coach and uh, every s- signal that I get is the answer is no. And, you know, I, I, I'd i love to be wrong. Uh, I'd love to see the story uh, turn, but, um, you know, I, I just don't know that the, there's been enough progress and there's certainly been uh, a hemorrhaging of, of attendance uh, over uh, over the, the season to, to think that, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be able to salvage something. You know, I, you know, could be totally wrong. I have no inside information on this. You know, I've, Josh Hurd has kept uh, pretty close to the vest what he's thinking uh, in terms of uh, where they go from here. But um, I would still be surprised if Kenny Payne were back next year. Um, and uh, you know, if it was uh, uh, 95 to 5 uh, three weeks ago, uh, I, I think it's still 85 to 15 uh, right now. All right. That's an honest uh, uh, approach to it. This is, this is 
in fairness, um, I have to – the same texter, and he sent me a string of texts. He really doesn't want it back, and so he's trying to make his case. But the one that I find interesting is this, and that is it says, uh, if it was just wins and losses, I'd be encouraged by some wins. But I'll temper it a little bit. Kenny has shown himself to be um, ineffective at many aspects of the job besides some improved offense. And for that reason, I don't want to back. Here's my question to you. He's not great in the press conferences. He's not been great at making statements that rally the fan base. He says what he thinks, and he's very comfortable in his own skin, and some people don't particularly like that, to be honest with you. But as an example, you know, um, Danny did the press conference last week, and I had a number of texts come in and say, boy, you can see that this guy used to be a head coach, which he was, obviously, at Wake Forest, and then he filled in uh, on the interim basis at Maryland. And there is, whether we – it's almost like part of us – resents it (laughs) but part of it also respects it that you have to play the game that the head coach has to play the game at the press conference there's certain things he's got to say and points he's got to make and Kenny doesn't either choose to or I don't know doesn't know how to play the game and so those aspects of the job are important I mean I I really think it it Certainly, the, the, you know, Billy Clyde at Kentucky was certainly the wrong fit, but that was one of the reasons. He didn't get all that part of the job. He was, he was so ill-suited to the many demands that are on a high-profile coach like at a place like Kentucky. So does that weigh into it in addition to the performance on the, on the court in your mind? I think that's a small uh, part of it. I, I think all, although uh, you have to factor that into – the, the the total equation is how how does a coach's attitude and his ability to to set expectations and or meet them uh, influence whether people spend their money to come down and see the games? Uh, I think if you know people were more willing, the fans were more willing to give him more time, then he would get more time. But. Uh, I, I just don't see that uh, that he has a large enough constituency in that huge building uh, to uh, to earn a, a third year. But you know, again, I'm, I'm not an accountant. I'm not uh, balancing their books, uh, and uh, you know, there may be other factors in play that that may be not as obvious uh, the, to to some of us as, as wins and losses and, and uh, butts in the seats. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that the, there are a lot of people who would like to see him succeed for reasons that go beyond uh, the spreadsheets mm. uh, that, that, that have something to do with the culture of this town and this, this university and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, do something for downtown, which is, you know, suffering uh, huge defections from major companies. Uh, and, and the Yum Center is, uh, I, I think, a very significant part of, uh, of trying to, to rebuild what's uh, at, atrophied since, uh, you know, COVID. And, um, I, I, you know, I don't know that... Uh, it's the university's responsibility to fix downtown, but uh, it's one of our largest institutions, and uh, you know the city is uh, in need of help. And uh, you know I think uh, Joe Girth had a real good column uh, the other day about 
you know, uh, Imana's uh, departure from its uh, downtown skyscraper mm. and, and the real problems that we face as a city. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I would hope that uh, UofL could be part of, of rebuilding that. Uh, I don't know that, uh, that they can do it with Kenny Payne. Uh, I'd love to see uh, him you know, turn the, the city around, but uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine that the, they're not uh, going to avoid another 20-loss season, and uh, I don't know many coaches who can survive two in a row. We will see, my friend. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, Tim. Thanks for your patience today, too, with a busy day. We appreciate it very much. No problem. Anytime. All right. Tim Sullivan with us here on the V-Show on ESPN 680-1057. Perfect, because I wanted to spend a minute or two. Here's the problem, and here's my problem, and it's me on my front lawn shaking my fist at the moon, maybe, but I just got to tell you the truth. The problem with sports, a problem with sports today, is that we have decided that we are going to try and make it uh, so that it appeals to everyone. And that's, um, I understand it, like classical music is as a valuable a part of the musical culture as it's ever been, but it's not exactly, they're not opening up classical music stations and it's not raking in the dough because it doesn't resonate with the consumer. It doesn't resonate with a broad enough base of popularity so that it's, it's, it's still going and it's going fine and it's got, it's got, you know, playing a at Carnegie Hall and at the New York Philharmonic and Louisville and there's places all over. And it's, it's not like it's dying, but it's not, it's not trying to be all things to all people. So Nicky just got another, he's in his own parallel universal radio show over there. Just found something uh, else. Thought, uh, the, the Twitter feed has been electric today. Yeah. So, so that's what it is. Sports, when I, I've mentioned this literally hundreds of times on the show, Used to be a big deal if baseball teams, just as an example, just one example, drew more than a million fans. That was a big deal. They had balls. Oh, it would be announced on the air. Uh, and, and, and we like to talk about baseball. Oh, it's a dying sport. And it makes me laugh to some degree because they're making more money than they ever have, largely through new uh, uh, sources of uh, revenue by, by the teams, their websites, their merchandise. Those were things that, that you know, didn't uh, – um, didn't play out years ago. But uh, let's see, this year, just as an example, every team in the major leagues, every single team in the major leagues did at least 1.1 million fans except for that fiasco that's going on. I, at I was about to say, like even the A's? No, 832,000 there. But uh, in point of fact, there were 18 teams that did over 2 million fans, including your Cincinnati Reds. And uh, there were... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that did three million fans. So, okay, so what's that got to do with the golf tournament? Because to some degree, baseball got it right that they made going to the ballpark an experience. Not just baseball fans coming. These are the people who would get up the next day, back in the day with newspapers, and get the newspaper out and be looking at the box scores and see and keep – half these people – you know, first of all, you're not even going to read the newspaper anymore, but they're not even going to go online to see the results in Major League Baseball on the website. They're not necessarily, quote-unquote, baseball fans. I don't think they may dislike baseball, but they go because it's a thing to do. And what they've done is they have made it appealing to way more people than just baseball fans. I don't have a problem with that because they're paying the bills. But they also, it does. there's a downside to it. 
I get this text every time Louisville's on a network game. Why are they talking about everything but this game? Why is he and Vital used to get this all the time? Why is he talking about the Pac-12? Be, because they found out through their people that do these kinds of things. If you are, it, let's say Louisville's playing uh, Wake Forest, the Louisville fans and the Wake Forest fans are going to watch that because that's the only place they can see it. They're going to watch. You could put, you know, Mickey Mouse as the play-by-play broadcaster. They're going to watch. But what about the guy who's just channel surfing? Now there's more things going on out there than ever. So he comes on your game for 10 seconds. You don't have very long to win him over to get him to stay. So they got a million things going on. So they're talking. They're showing you the game. They're putting stats. They're putting betting angles up. They got technology. They got metrics. And they're talking about other games and other coaches and other things. Look at the talk shows, which drive me nuts. There's the thing they're talking about, and then there's the crawl at the bottom, and then there's the thing on the left side. I've said this so many times. It's like they're insecure. Like, if you don't like this, just wait, wait, three more, wait, wait, don't go, don't go. Three more minutes, we'll do something else. I have something else. It's, it's like it would be like, I mean, and, and to some degree, that's annoying. Would you go to somebody's house for dinner? What, you don't like it? Wait, you don't like this? Hold on. I got some other stuff in the kitchen. Wait a minute. Don't get up. I mean, you'd say they're crazy, but... So that's a downside. I think that is definitely a downside. There's also a downside when you dilute the experience to the point where you are impacting the competition. And that's just what they've done at that waste management open out in Arizona. It's gotten, they, you know, that's fine. It became a fun thing to have them. They would throw footballs. The players would throw footballs to the crowd. But it like, it reminds me of when you've got children. You know, and you, you you give them a little bit of latitude, and the next thing you know, there's a food fight going on in your living room, and they're breaking lamps. And that's how sports fans are, especially, unlike with kids, at least hopefully, you add some alcohol to the mix. Oh, yeah. You add lots of booze to the mix, and you're going to get people who behave the way they did out there. And it was ridiculous. They were actually impacting the competition. I mean, you can't you can't be behaving in a way. And, and the bad part of it is, this is part of who we are now. We don't like the thought that these people are doing something like that I can't do. They, I want to be part of it. Sports betting lets us do that. We have some skin in the game, so we, we are actually actively involved. We have reason to be emotional about it. So, but there's also the fact that, well, I can impact the game by, you know, uh, being ugly and being – did you see the guy jump out of the crowd? He went – he ran – did you see the, I mean, maybe you think it's funny, and if you do, that's your business, but I don't. I mean, these are the best players in the world. I think it's a great treat to be able to see them play on a beautiful golf course. There's nothing wrong. Great. They were throwing footballs. I like that kind of stuff. The guy jumped out of the stands, and he ran into the sand trap, and he did did, uh, snow angels. Yeah, he did like a front flip into it. That's crazy. And then the guy's screaming in the backswing. I mean, this is – Yeah. You can say, well, I don't understand why they have to have it so quiet. They don't really have to have it quiet. It's not the quiet that they need. It's that anything that would startle you. That, that does that. And if it's dead silent, like, you know, if, if, if it was a, a dull roar, there's a lot, by the way, if you've never been to a golf tournament, there are a number of golf holes where they're near the hospitality tent, and on that tee, there is a d- dull roar. There really is. I mean, they hear the people talking, the rabble-rousing going on in the, in the tent, but it's not a sudden burst of sound that would make you recoil. It would, you know, it's like if you're in a city street, there's lots of noise, the noise of them, but if you walk in front of a guy and all of a sudden he hits the horn, you're going to jump. That's the principle. So it's not like they're little, you know, 
weaselly guys that can't deal with any noise. But when you're doing that, you're impacting the, what the guy's doing for a living and the, the, the integrity of the competition. It's just crazy. So you know what? You, you get what you, you you kind of sow what you reap. You're going to turn it into an idea that it's that, that it's a, uh, um, Animal House on the golf course. That's what you're going to get. We'll see you from Boston tomorrow.